Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. My name is Richard Kaufman. I am also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Um, I'm so excited. I'm very truly and humbled to talk to this young lady. I've been admiring her for a long time. My bookshelf is actually bowed because of all the books that she had that I've, I've written. And I've actually listened to the audio version of her latest eight times with a because she wrote a, a great book with Mr. Greg Reed. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, OVF, Operation Veteran Freedom. If you're a veteran and you're looking to open your own company, especially if it's digital, check out Operation Veteran Freedom, and we'll help you guys out. Guys, like I said, this is going to be an awesome episode with five times New York Times bestselling author, Miss Sharon Lecter. How are you doing today? I am doing, Richard. I am just doing so beautifully, Richard. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, uh, like I was telling you earlier, your uh, your book was the first financial book that I ever read, ever, ever, and it hurt and it hit home so much because I grew up. My mother was the rich, was the poor sister, and my aunt was the rich aunt. So it kind of, it kind of like really hit home. So you could understand and correlate. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, talking, you know, Robert being a veteran and, you know, being, being a pilot, that, that really hit home. And then all your other books, I mean, everything, I mean, like I said, my bookshelf is like this and it's all purple and I love purple <laughs> and your new book, like I said, I, I, I'm a big Napoleon Hill guy. And once I heard it, you guys were doing something. I've listened to it eight times and I can't get enough of it. So I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for, for me personally. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it's years ago, I made that determination. It was a December of 2012. I dedicated the rest of my life to financial literacy, financial education, because we're not taught about money in school and people end up learning it through making lots of expensive mistakes and I want to be able to provide the tools and education to help people take control of their financial life. And there's no time like the present. So now I'll take, because I, I know your, your father was a career Navy guy. Um, I want to, you know, thank you for his service. Your son is a Marine. So you have a big military in your family, the love for the military. What were you, what were you like as a little girl growing up? And, you know, for me growing up, Money was a taboo subject. You know, for me, we never talked about money. So I didn't realize, realize until I was an adult and I'm bouncing checks everywhere. You know, how can I be out of money? I still got checks. So what was your growing up and what was you your- You don't know how many people still say that to me too. I still have checks. Oh, breaks my heart. So I was, I was, yeah, I was very lucky, Richard. I, my dad- retired when I was eight from the Navy. We moved to Florida. He went back to work with Martin Marietta running their um, high and low temperature testing facilities. And yet we also, he had, we lived in a little tiny house between my mom's beauty shop, my dad's used car lot. And we had rental properties that I had to go scrub out bathrooms at the age of 10 between tenants. And then we had orange groves. So I grew up in this very entrepreneurial, multiple sources of income type family and didn't realize that that's not what everybody experienced. 
Um, I started, I, and I swore I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a sophisticated professional. So I got my degree in accounting. I was one of the very first women in public accounting, moved to Atlanta thinking I was hot stuff, young, single in Atlanta. And about the ripe old age of 25, when I was working incredibly long hours, not in control of my own life, my parents started looking a whole lot smarter. And I realized what the benefit I received in living in that kind of household, where if my dad, you know, if we wanted something, he just found the asset to pay for it. He, you know, the whole philosophy of rich dad, poor dad was how I lived. A lot of my father's education is in the books that I wrote with rich dad. And it's something that is so important for people to understand that, you know, instead of chasing, exchanging time for money, let's invest our time to buy, build, or create income-producing assets. So when I left public accounting, I started my entrepreneurial career, started and sold a woman's magazine, started and sold a company, <coughs> met the inventor of the first talking children's book, and we grew that around the world, partnering with Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street. <clears throat> and then we sold that company in 91. Mike and I moved here to Arizona with our kids. And in 92, our oldest son went off to college, came home at Christmas time, his first semester, in credit card debt. I was pretty mad at him. But I was more mad at myself because I thought I had taught him what my parents taught me about money. And when I graduated from college, I had $22,000 ready to start my life with. And I thought that was pretty darn good. <clears throat> so that was, again, December of 1992. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my life to financial literacy, financial education, started working with school systems. Hence, the white hair used to be red. And... Um, Fast forward a few years in 1996, my husband called me and he says, I, I met this guy that has what you've been looking for. So when I'm particularly speaking to a group of women, I go, ladies, what would you do if your husband called you and said he met a man that you've been looking for? And it was pretty funny. I said, I still remember where I was. I said, that sounds pretty kinky. Who, who is this? And he said, this guy came into my office in flip-flops, Bermuda shorts, and a Hawaiian shirt with this idea for a board game rolled up on a piece of parchment paper under his arm. And it was Robert Kiyosaki. I met Robert at the first beta test for the cash flow board game. I was the only one who got out of the rat race. I thought it was wonderful because it was totally consistent with what I was teaching. So I literally volunteered to help him commercialize that because of my experience with a talking book. And in that process, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for the game. And I said, that's kind of pricey. Maybe you should write a brochure sharing your philosophy that will then encourage people to spend that kind of money on a board game. And that's when he asked me to be his partner. And that brochure that we wrote was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And people don't understand that it was, we never expected it to be a product in its own right. It was in, actually intended to sell the board game. And it was the first of 15 books we wrote together. So we became a publishing company because people wanted more information. Then I started a whole nother series of books called Rich Dad Advisors, and we had multiple games. And we kind of took the world by storm. We were in over 110 countries and 50, over 50 languages. And it was the right message at the right time. It was a time before the internet, before Amazon, believe it or not. It was actually old word of mouth, viral marketing. And um, we were partners for 10 years in 2007. He wanted to go into franchise. And I didn't agree with the model. So I made the decision for myself that I wanted to move on. 
a height of our success. And sometimes you have to close one door for new doors of opportunity to open. A few months later, I got the call from President Bush asking me to be on the first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy. And I served both President Bush and President Obama, equal opportunity. And financial literacy is not a partisan issue. Yeah. And um, it was incredible. I wouldn't have gotten that phone call had I still been a rich dad. So I, I shared this part of my story for all of you watching and listening. I'm going to challenge you. Is there a door in your life you need to close? So other doors of opportunity open. And many of you, particularly you veterans, a door may have closed. You're out of the service and you don't know what's in front of you. Now is the time to seek that. And it's waiting for you. And we're here to support you in finding what's right for you. A few months later is when I got the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. It was 2008. The economy was in a trench yeah. and they wanted to reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. Many people didn't even know who he was or had never heard of Think and Grow Rich. What an incredible honor. I read Think and Grow Rich when I was 19. So having just built the largest personal finance brand to be asked to step into the world's largest personal development brand. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm still basking in the glow. And um, my first book was with them was Three Feet from Gold which is I what you're it. talking about. I love and it. Then, I love it. I love it. Then Outwinning the Devil, which is a mind-blowing book and particularly good for the veterans because it is how we let fear and self-sabotage hold us back. Think and Grow Rich for Women. And then Greg and I came back together and did success in something greater. And so it's just been an incredible journey this year. Last year, I released a book called Exit Rich with Inc. Magazine. And I continue to speak all over the world, but my, my passion is as strong today as it was December of 1992 in helping people find the tools and the education they need to create wealth, to create income producing assets. Instead of exchanging time for money, let's invest your time to build a business, invest in real estate, find a way to build wealth in your life. Now, um, like I said, I've read all 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 of those books. Like I said, my my bookshelf is bowed out and all purple because um, my favorite color is purple. But uh, the one of the books I will obviously, you know, the first book was I. It, it looks like it's been beat up. It's been marked on, scribbled on. But the cash flow quadrant was what really changed my mind about money. And a lot of people, you know, like I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, they have on, you know, they're driving a brand new, brand new BMW, have the brand new iPhone, you know, they have the brand new, all the watches, and then they go home into a, a rented apartment. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it. If they would just have this book, it would just change everything. You know what it's I mean? True. It's my favorite of the Rich Dad series because it, it does, it really does embody the mindset of why people don't create wealth in their lives. So, so now, you know, a lot of people think, you know, there's, you know, and your book talks about there's good credit, there's bad credit. And a lot of times people don't realize that when you go, when you go to college, um, usually the first credit card you ever get is the one you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. And you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. So what was your reaction when your son came home with the credit card for the first time? Yeah, we didn't even know he had a credit card because he got to college and 
he was greeted by these tables saying free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. So he had a really good time his first semester in college. And then of course he ended up having the bills come in and he was, you know, it wasn't such free money anymore. And I was pretty livid with him. And it was something that uh, we wouldn't bail him out. He had to figure it out. It took him seven years to get rid of the debt and seven years to repair his credit. But um, he's as passionate as I am about financial literacy now. And it really deep-seated my desire and my anger and my desire to do something about it. And when I was appointed to the President's Advisory Council, we the Credit Card Act was p- passed in 2009, which prohibits credit card companies from soliciting kids on college campuses and within a thousand feet of college campus activities, college activities. So while I can't take credit for the bill, I can take credit for being a very squeaky wheel because are they now they still get solicited, but they have to prove they can repay it or they have to prove they have a co-signer. And so it gives it that moment of think about what you're doing before you sign on the dotted line. Because I love my credit cards. I would say it's not the credit card that's the problem. It's the person holding the credit card. What is in your mind and the fact that it's easy money, easy credit, long to get out of that hole. So when you're digging a hole, you got to stop digging. Yeah. It took me uh, now 12 years. I was my, When I moved to New Jersey, I had $50 in my pocket and my credit score was like 400. And that's when I needed credit and they would want to give it to me. Now my credit's over 800 and they're trying to give me credit and I don't even want it. You know? That's right. Well, you can get credit when you don't need it. That's right. (laughs) So now you had a son that was a Marine, uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. Um, He became a member of the 22. And uh, for for your loss, I'm sorry. Um, But my question is, the military, they don't have any any training on finances until you bounce a check and then you you get busted and you might go to jail so talk to us you know some of the things that the military could do to help you know because they say if if you if you have a military career it wasn't a good good career unless you were uh, divorced got a dui and went through bankruptcy then you had a good career so talk to us what, you know, the people, what the military you think could do better in helping with financial literacy. Oh, it's so important. And it's something that I've tried so hard that the, every, uh, every arm of the, of our armed forces should teach these young people about money while they have the ability to, you know, they're there, give them the education for them to succeed. You know, they get out of they get out of the military. They've got the ability to have the the financing for education, yet they don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. So many times, it's not being applied in the way that can really create a future for them. And it's really important for them to understand the power of money. Now, when you are in a regiment, you know what happens, and what I see with veterans so often is, you know, while you're in the service, pr- pretty much every minute of every day is controlled. Mm-hmm. And then you get out and they expect you to be fine, right? Well, you have you have no regiment anymore and you have to create it on your own. And it's the same issue related to money. When you're in the service and money's coming into your account, you're in the service, so you know what you're doing. You're not spending a lot of extra money. And then you get out and 
you have no idea how to maintain your standard of living. And it's something that is, is just tragic, absolutely tragic. So now, you know, because and I and by the way, I love that board game. Um, I loved it. I'll just sit sometimes on a Sunday morning and just sit and play it myself just to play it. Because my daughter, I got a nine year old and she loves Monopoly. She loves to play Monopoly with her daddy. And now, you know, as she gets older, I want to, you know, start playing the other game. So talk to us about some of the reaction, because a lot of times for me, I learn what I'm doing. You know, sure. I, I learn when I'm you know, touching, feeling. And I think when we were playing the game and the credit card thing came out, I was like, really? It, you know what I mean? It really hit home. And knowing yeah, it, that, it opens your eyes. But Richard, I want you to check out. I have a game called Thrive Time for Teens, which is okay. perfect for your nine-year-old. Yeah. Because it's a it's based, it helps kids understand that every decision they make, every choice they make, um, with how they spend their time as well as how they spend their money drives them to success or not. So you can go to Amazon or SharonLector.com. It's called Thrive Time for Teens. And I highly recommend it for anyone who has kids. Okay. Now I got a nine-year-old. I got a, uh, he just turned 17. He's going to be driving. Oh my God. And okay. I got a 19-year-old. He's a sophomore in college. Um, so what can parents do? to start teaching their kids as young kids about money. So they didn't, it doesn't come to a big surprise when all of a sudden, wait a minute, I got to work for my money and I got to pay bills. So what are some practical things that parents can do to teach your children about money? Well, we have to face the facts. A lot of parents don't want to teach their kids about money because then the kids will realize that they as parents need some training as well. And that's why we create these games because my Thrive Time for Teens has a lot of humor in it. And so the parents can play it with the kids, the parents learn along with the kids. And it's something that creates the opportunity to have those conversations about money and assets and liabilities that is not so personal because it's on a game, it's on a board game. And so it's really important, but also just talking to your kids about the world of money around us, take them to the bank with you, even though we don't go to the bank too often these days. Um, talk, you know, let them see you pay your bills, let them pay the bills. So they get a, an idea of what it costs to live. Um, allowing them to, when you're out at a fast food restaurant, say, you know, there's a, the owner's not here because it's being run by other people the benefit of other people's money, time, and resources, right? There's a company that provides these straws. There's a different company that provides these containers that the burgers are in. And just talking about the reality of the world of business around them is gives gets them ahead of the game in understanding the world of money and the world of business. You know, and I love that. Like the other day we went to McDonald's, me and my daughter, and I grabbed one of the cups and I was showing her how many different trademarks are just on the plastic cup. There was like 12 different trademarks just on a plastic cup. And she didn't realize that all, you know, all those are businesses. You know, That's exactly what you should be doing, Richard. I'm proud of you. That's fantastic. And, you know, and like you guys talked about in your books, um, we should start teaching our children to be entrepreneurs, have that mindset because there's no longer 20 years in a watch. That's not happening anymore. No. And so many times I say, I tell people, what did you hear from your parents growing up? Money doesn't grow on trees. 
you know, pinch your pennies, save for a rainy day. We can't afford it. Well, when you say we can't afford it, it closes your mind. It's negative. You want to get under the covers. And so I say, watch your words with your children today. Instead of saying, John, Mary, we can't afford it. Say, how can we afford it? How can you afford what you want? And all of a sudden that opens their mind. It triggers their entrepreneurial spirit. And for yourself as well, you want something and just saying, I can't afford it. Say, how can I afford it? What can I do to afford that? And you get creative. It triggers your imagination. And believe me, your kids become very creative on how they can earn money to buy something that they want. And before your very eyes, they do it. They earn the money. They buy it. You see their self-confidence grow because they set a goal. They achieved it. And the pride in themselves is what we, so many kids today need to understand how to set a goal and achieve it. Now, uh, I've talked about you hundreds of times on this show um, because one thing, and I, I'm just paraphrasing, obviously, because I don't know it word for word. But in one of the books, I don't remember which one you guys talk about that the only real difference between a poor person and a rich person is their vocabulary and the words that they use. Like, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't remember which book, but it, it really stuck in my mind, you know, that poor people don't talk about assets. They don't talk about liabilities, you know? So um, where would you suggest somebody, if they wanted to start getting financial literate, where do they go? Where do they start? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I have a program that I, when COVID started, I slashed the price because you can go to my website. The Money Mastery Program is $1,500 on my site. But when COVID hit, I said, I want this information available to anybody. And it's like a college course. And it's, I slashed the price to $79. And I did that because I wanted people to understand the essence with mindset. Okay. Because what you just said, Richard, is so true. We're not taught and so what we've learned is from home and that's scarcity. And so we do live in a world of abundance, but we have to adjust our thoughts. And so when I did the uh, money mastery program and slash the price in it, I put action steps each week for you to do plus mindset steps, how to change your mindset along the way, how to understand multiple streams of income, how to identify your living expense. I don't use the word budget. It's negative. I use spending plan. Let's create your spending plan. Let's see where you're out of whack compared to other people in your area. And that helps you identify right away where you need to start working. And then little wins. Be excited about little steps that you take, how to get out of debt, how to go from bad debt to good debt. And I want to hold people's hands so I have the ability for them to take this course and reach out to me through a Facebook page so that they have questions or questions through the course so that we can support them in the process. And I've just been thrilled with the reaction we've had. Thousands of people gone through the course. I have clients, last week, I paid off $70,000 of debt in the last four months. Oh my gosh, that made me, made me smile. I'm still smiling from that. And so it's a matter of taking the action, but also having the right mentorship and the right guide because we're here to support you. We want you to get out of debt. We want you to find multiple streams of income. We want you to succeed. You know, and I, I love the whole uh, mindset thing. If you don't mind, we can go into that a little bit because um, since I got, I went, I got blinded two years ago, I, I dug deep into mindset and then I started, you know, rereading your books and then 
I started hearing about, you know, Napoleon Hill, which I never read his book until now. But then I was like, all right, well, let me go back to who taught Napoleon Hill. So I read the bio, the autobiography of Mr. Carnegie. And it's amazing how the mind has not really changed in the last 100 years. But, you know, like Mr. You know, Mr. Carnegie talked about is, you know, whatever you obsess over, you will possess, whether that's good or bad. So now as you were writing this, you know, the book with Mr. Reed, I call him Mr. Reed. I, I respect the man. So that's why. And I call you Miss Sharon because I respect you. Um, what was it like? Because it's they say the best way to learn something is to teach. So did you have to go back over everything again and start? And what else, what did you learn that you didn't know before uh, about Mr. Napoleon Hill? Well, I think I've had a unique opportunity to f feel like I've known him for a long time, even though we never physically met, because I've had the opportunity to work with some of his unpublished manuscripts. And so it's, it's been an incredible journey. And the I knew Don Green, who's the CEO of the foundation, uh, from just being in the same arena with Rich Shad and he and Napoleon Hill. But when, when he reached out to me to ask me to step in, it was such an incredible honor. And I've been a student of Napoleon Hill's, as I said, since I was 19. So to be able to blend what I created with Rich Dad with Napoleon Hill to bring that to life and then to really share stories. That was the biggest issue as it related to Three Feet for Gold, sharing stories that people could relate to on how people survive difficult times and what they did to get through those difficult times. And um, Greg had already started that project and hadn't gotten very far. And so Don was asking me to step in and help him create it. And Greg will tell you he's not, you know, he's a great salesperson. He's not the greatest writer. So we got together and between the two of us, we were able to create something that I think is a, it's a magical book. And it talks about, it's called Three Feet from Gold, for those of you listening and watching. And it talks about the a story that's in the original Think and Grow Rich book, a miner that goes out west to discover his fortune in gold, has no idea what he's doing, um, buys a claim, gets the equipment, and goes and discovers gold. And was so thrilled, excited, he went back east, Maryland, got money from all his family and friends to go back out to really do a, a serious mine. And after a very short period of time, ran out, the vein stopped. And he was very dejected, sold the, the mine and the equipment to a junk man in town who had been studying mining for 20 years, knew all of the right people, all of the engineers, the right. So he went out with them and they said, oh, he just punched through the vein. If you go back three feet, you'll be back in the vein, three feet from gold. And they ended up discovering at that time, the largest discovery of gold. Now, R.U. Darby was the young man who had gone out originally. He heard about that and he could have been devastated, but he said, I'm going to turn that adversity into a lesson and never again will I stop three feet from gold. The lesson is that of perseverance and making sure you surround yourself with the right people, the right mentor. Um, don't try to do things by yourself. And from that book, we released the personal success equation, Richard. And that's passion plus talent. And that's all about you. 
My passion was actually from anger that we weren't teaching kids about money in school. My talent was many years as a CPA, many years in publishing. And I could have tried to do it on my own, but I wouldn't have the success I have. And the next element is times A, power of association. I am delighted to have a new association with you, Richard. And with everybody watching and listening, I invite you to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But I'm here to support you. And so passion plus talent times association, having the right mentor, having the right people on your team, having people who are strong where you are weak. And then times A, taking action. How many times do we know we're supposed to do something and we just choose not to do it? And so having that initiative to take the right action. And then plus F is faith, faith and confidence in yourself, faith in what you're doing, faith that is needed and necessary, faith that you will succeed. And when I start working with people, I do mentoring. It's usually the association and faith that need the most work. And they go hand in hand. When you have the right people around you and you have a bad day, they're not going to let you sink into fear because many people that F is fear, not faith. and keeps them from succeeding. We need to convert that fear into faith by having the right people around you and the right mentors to help speed your way to success. And so the personal success equation, I have a whole exercise you can go through this free is personalsuccessequation.com. And I invite all of you to go there and really say, how can I adjust something, one thing in my life to reach for a higher level of success because you deserve it. You know, as I was walking my daughter to school this morning and I walk home, that was the one thing that on the tape that, or tape. Yes. That's how old I am. Tape. Um, that was one thing on audible you guys were talking about was having faith in what you're doing that, you know, that that's the hardest thing was having faith every day that like, for me, it's, to change a million people's lives during the podcast and to have faith every morning. And like, sometimes, like you said, I think sometimes we low, we we run low on that F on the faith part, you know? Now, a lot of a question that I have um, for you is, you know, I hate going back to, always to that book, but that book changed my life. Um, it's amazing, especially in COVID times. And I think in, in America, I think we've lost over a thousand a hundred thousand restaurants in, in, you know, in, in the United States because of COVID. And, um, but in your book, they talk about how when, you know, Robert, you know, lost a wallet business and had to go out and, you know, had to, you know, sell out. And it's amazing how he didn't quit. You guys didn't quit. You know, you guys just picked it, you learned from it and then moved on. But now a lot of people that may have lost their businesses, you know, they may feel they may feel like they're losers. You know, they may feel like um, a failure. But for me, I believe that, you know, failure is an event. It's not a person. So talk to us about resiliency and especially in, in these times of COVID. Sure. Well, Napoleon Hill said it best. Out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. Then sometimes we have instant feedback. Sometimes it takes years to figure out what that is. And, um, and just as you said, I, always, I talk about a failure is an occurrence. It's not a definition. And too many people define themselves as failures. No, it's just something that happened. And um, you need to learn from it so it doesn't repeat itself. But we all, success is not a straight line. Talk to anybody who's, that you see and you look up to as highly successful. It has been a journey, ups and downs along the way. And that's how you learn. You adjust the sales, you adjust your course 
to still get to your definite purpose. And um, it's hard. And part of the fear and the difficulty is that you don't surround yourself with the right people. Who are you hanging out with? Are you hanging around with people who support you and want you to succeed and will help open doors for you? Are you hanging out with people who are worse off than you? Which means you're, they're going to pull you down. You need to make that determination and say, who am I spending my time with? What am I doing with my time? Am I wasting my time? Am I spending my time? Or am I investing my time into creating a better future? So now a lot of people you know, that are listening to this, either they're in the military or getting out of the military or have gotten out of the military. And when we get out, uh, we have no clue. You know, like we think the world is just going to open up, up to us because we're veterans. And then we go for a job and we hear crickets. So what are some things that we can do either before or right after we get out of the military to start getting ready for the corporate world or also for entrepreneurship? Well, there's there's never been a better time to start a business, Richard. Um, and certainly even as a, still in the military with the Internet, you have the ability to create online businesses, your ability. I tell a lot of people when they're still trying to get out of the services, you know, find companies you believe in and become an affiliate. And you can learn things online by being an affiliate and they have all the systems, but you're just recommending their product and you're getting paid for it. And so it provides cash flow. It's not a true business, but it's a great education uh, in online business. And think about what you can do. I work with several um, groups of veterans where we're teaching them real estate. Um, my husband and I joined the EXP um, Global Real Estate Company because one of the biggest issues is real estate agents literally live commission to commission. They don't invest and create their own personal wealth. And I want to change that. I want to help real estate agents create personal wealth, become real estate investors themselves. And so happy for anybody to reach out to me to talk about that. We are here to support veterans going through real estate school, helping them get on their feet to be able to move forward in creating an, a, a career in real estate. Now, now I want to talk about that because here in New Jersey, real estate is hot. I mean, I got a friend, he put his house on, on the market and nine hours later, it was sold for $20,000 more than he was asking for. So, but one thing I love about your books is, you know, you guys sometimes find a way around over under to get to, to get to buy a house or a property. You know, because a lot of people think, you know, the traditional way, but you guys, I was reading the book again, just to catch up. You guys did some crazy stuff to get some houses and some businesses. So what do you say to the person that says, you know, the housing market's so hot and it's too expensive to get into real estate? Well, there's never been an easier time to invest in real estate. You don't have to buy a house. You can buy REITs. You can invest in REITs. You have a small amount of money. You can start investing in real estate. But it's really important. Again, the power of association. You know, those deals and finding those deals was because we knew people. We treated our agents well. You know, I always say I pay my agent top dollar because if they get the next deal, who are they going to call first? Me. Because um, I haven't tried to get them down on their commission or beat them up. And that's, you know, it's so important that power of association creates a lifetime partnership. 
And it's really important to know that you want, you want to have that mentorship. You want to have somebody who's invested in your success. And there's no greater way to do that than to find a team that you can join that's there to support you. And one thing I love about Mr. Hill and Mr. Carnegie, Mr. Carnegie offered him a job with no benefits, <laughs> no guarantees. And he's like, all right, you got, you got a minute to decide yes or no. So, and his whole, his whole life. And I think the world changed making that one decision. And, and of course it was, um, do, you know, building relationship with the two of them. So talk about mentorship and talk, because I believe if you're, if you're hanging out with five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth. So talk to us about mentorship and building real relationships. Well, that's so true because what are you, what environment are you putting yourself in? That's, you know, Outwitting the Devil, which was the second book with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, was a manuscript that Napoleon Hill wrote back in 1938. He intended it to be the sequel to Think and Grow Rich. And um, he was, when he wrote Think and Grow Rich, it was a 25 year effort. And when he released it, he was frustrated. Here I am, I have this thesis of success, and yet people aren't going to employ it. And it's because they're fearful. They're afraid. They can't get past their fear. And so in 1938, he sat down in just a few short months, wrote Outwitting the Devil. But the title scared his wife to death. She worked for the Presbyterian College and she forbid it to be published. So it got locked away in a vault for 72 years. And so the month we released Three Feet from Gold, Don Green called me and said, Sharon, I have this manuscript. I don't know what to do with it. And so he sent it to me and I, I do a lot of my writing in San Diego. I went over there with it and read it in just a few short hours. It was like, this has got to get out. I felt like I was in a conversation with Napoleon Hill because the manuscript was typed on a manual typewriter in 1938 and it had handwritten notes from Napoleon Hill in the corner in the margins. And it was like, wow, such an incredible experience. And I'm so glad we did it because it really does talk about I think it was actually locked away by a greater power because I think the book was intended to come out now because it's how we sabotage ourselves, how we allow the fear of criticism, the fear of, of old age, fear of loss of love, fear, fear cripples us from achieving what we want. And that fear can be inbred and in how we're raised. You know, he, he takes on every taboo you know, in the world, sex, politics, religion, education, alcohol, cigarettes, before cigarettes were determined to be unhealthy. I mean, it was amazing. He was a real true prophet. And the book has really allowed that younger generation and particularly, because it's a little in your face, a little irreverent, but it really gets you thinking about releasing the fear and realizing that you can do anything you want. And that's the power of those conversations between Andrew Carnegie and Napoleon Hill, the power of Napoleon Hill. And he shares very vulnerable in the book about how he was disempowered by fear, hiding in a basement for a year. I mean, he shares those things. And so he becomes more relatable and you can start seeing how you've allowed fear to hold you back from reaching the success that you deserve. And if you don't mind, um, can you just brag on Mr. Reed a little bit for the, for those that don't know who Mr. Reed is? Um, I, I love the man personally. I think he's he's truly amazing. So can you brag on him a little bit? 
Of course. Greg Reed is a dear friend. We met when I was introduced to him by Don Green of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, asking me to step in and help Greg with Three Feet from Gold. And so I was kind of his mentor, helping him learn how to le- how to write. And we wrote that together. And um, we've become very, very immediately dear friends. We are yin and yang. We're very different personalities, but we love each other. We support each other. He has um, created an incredible event series called Secret Knock that's just wonderful. Um, He does something called Prosperity Camp, and he's really a master connector. And um, he did the film on the life of Frank Shankwitz, and luckily it was out and about before Frank died. So it's just wonderful tribute to Frank, founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. And it's really one of the founders. And he just, he, he is always, he's a give, such a giver and a great connector. And he's like a little brother to me. I love it. So the last two questions that I have, actually, it's going to be, a, the last question will be a two-part question. But uh, for, first, the last one question is, how do we find you? Um, obviously, you're all they got to do is go to a bookstore and look for something purple. They're going to find something. Um, so how do we find you? Uh, yes, I do go to bookstores still. Uh, how do we find you? How can we support your mission and whatever well, you're going on? Thank you, Richard. Well, my website is SharonLector.com. My Instagram is Sharon Lecter. My Facebook is Michael Sharon Lecter. Mike and I share a page because my business Facebook page is Sharon Lecter and um, love to have you follow me on Instagram. Love to have you reach out to me. My email is info at Sharon I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me wherever you, wherever you live, I should be there except for TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but I invite you to reach out to me. We're here to support you. We're here to help. Um, you know, the Money Mastery Program I talked about, I'm happy to extend our offer to anyone watching and listening, mm.sharonlector.com. But my biggest goal is to support you in taking the next step to create financial stability on the way to financial freedom. So I'm here to serve. And they'll be able to find those games and everything on your website? On my website, yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, last question I have, actually, it's a two-part question. Uh, you know, we all we live in a crazy time in our in our world right now. Um, as you as you guys are listening to this, if it's on the replay, it's right. Uh, it is January, and we're going back on lockdown in a lot of places because of COVID and Omicron and all that. So we've lost a lot of jobs in this country. So we have a lot of people, you know, driving DoorDash, Uber, just to put food on the table. So. If I ask the average person in the United States to do something in seven days, seven days, they're never going to get to it. They're too busy. But if I ask somebody to that's listening to us right now to take an actionable step, they're more likely. So I have a two part question for you. Number one, if somebody is struggling financially, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get help? And the second part is knowing that, you um, you lost your son to with with mental health issues to suicide. If somebody is struggling with their mental health, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get some help? 
Well, I would certainly recommend that they reach out to your organization to get that support from fellow veterans. And um, But in either case, reach out to us, info at SharonLector.com. We are here to support and serve and direct you to where you need to go to get the help you need. Because it is, you know, the mental health issues are, are continuing to be on the rise and COVID has not helped that situation. Um, isolation has caused a lot of additional stress on people's lives. And do not, you are not alone. We are here to support you. Do not hesitate to reach out. Well, Sharon, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's been such an honor and such a blessing to um, finally, I know we're playing phone tag because um, I know you guys had some medical issues and I'm, I'm praying you guys are feeling better. I think our original time we had scheduled, I had COVID. So, yeah. Was- so it's, <laughs> I, and I try to keep in touch to just to, you know, let you know you guys are on our prayer list and just I'm glad you guys are, are you and Michael are doing better. So I just want to say thank you uh, for the audience, guys. I can't say enough about this. I can't say enough about what she, they've done for me. I mean, an audio book to listen to an audio book eight times. It's something to truly behold. Check out that book. Check out all of her books. And if you need help financially, if you need help mentally, please reach out to Sharon and her team. So guys, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. If you're a veteran, go to OVF. If you're looking to start a digital business, we will actually help you start a digital business. Sharon, thank you so much and have an amazing week. Thank you, Richard. And I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody watching and listening. If you're a veteran, thank you for your service. If you're not a veteran, I hope that you are supporting veterans. So thank you so much. I love it. Guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is up. Love you guys. Catch you on the flip. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.